AEW Dynamite this week closed out with a very interesting promo where Cody teased a retirement and so much went on since our last episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble that we're going to try to break it down as much as we can. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's start things off with the promo that closed off the show. Cody Rhodes is out here teasing a retirement and saying all these goals that he had in mind and now goals have changed and it looks like he's taken on it, taken off his boots before Malachi Black whacks him, knocks him out in the closing shot of uh, Malachi Black as they go to Black. Are you buying or selling Cody actually retiring here? Selling as if I'm the wolf of Wall Street. There's no way a guy that is essentially, I would still say Cody's pretty much within his prime. He's where he's got a work, good work rate. I mean, he's really achieving. I think what he vo- he's always been set out to achieve. Uh, and that, and that is be one of the top players in, in one of the companies, whether it was WWE before this or EW now, mm-hmm. I, I, there's no way. Look, it, I understand. I think what's going on here. It's a part of the storyline. He had a, he had a baby girl. He's been working really hard the past three years. He wants to take some time off. Fine. But there's no way that Cody Rhodes is going to walk away from wrestling right now and never put the boots on again. I just don't buy it. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was very interesting. It definitely got you thinking like, whoa, is he really going to retire here? And, you know, if you're someone that doesn't read dirt sheets or behind the scenes and just watching it for the television show that it is, you know, you might think to yourself, wow, that was such a bad loss that he just took and got knocked out by Malachi Black. That. Yeah. You know what? There's nothing left for him. He has the he has the baby, which has been part of the TV show, and uh, ex, you know they do the gender reveal and whatnot. You know he does the go big show on TBS. So people know of Cody Rhodes without following the dirt sheets. Like he's a very prolific person in AEW. So knowing that his goals may have changed, and as a new father myself, I could kind of relate to that. As you know what. Now that my son's here, my goals have changed, you know? So Cody Rhodes might be like, you know what? There's the future's here. You don't need me anymore. And that's what he was kind of hinting to. But this also could have been a way for him to be written off that he can film the new ep- new season of the go big show. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's what I think we're seeing right now. I, I, I don't think, I think Cody probably has a much different perspective. Again, me as a father, you as a father uh, on life and what's important to him. And maybe he doesn't necessarily like getting dumped on his head or taking bumps as much as he once did. And I'm sure he'd much rather be home. Um, I I think this is part of a storyline. I think this is a reason to kind of write him off, uh, which which is fine. Because if you if you look at some of the rumors that have been going on, whether Daniel Bryan gets brought in, whether CM Punk comes in. Cody walking away for a little bit gives those guys the opportunity to kind of move up to that upper mid card or, you know, top tier card. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it makes room for other guys too, like Christian or Darby or whoever else are going to try to move up. Uh, This is this to me, this is similar to what happened with Brody Lee. You know, he, he got beat down. He lost the title very convincingly. And then he took a little time off and then he came back. I think this will be a much longer stay away from AEW, mm-hmm. but I definitely don't see this as a true retirement from AEW. I definitely think we're going to see Cody back in the ring. Um, you know, I he said that, you know, there's that stipulation he'll never challenge for the heavyweight championship. Correct. I still think there's a storyline that can be written there. I still think mm-hmm. he has a lot left to prove, and uh, I, I just don't see this as being his last match ever. Do you think this is a segue to a semi-retirement 
where now he goes into the part-time role and becomes a part-time talent in AEW. Uh, certainly could be. Um, certainly could be. I, I mean, I think that he enjoys what he's doing behind the scenes. Um, and also, and, and you know, how true are the rumors that there's tension between the EVPs? I, I don't think knows? that. I who don't knows? think so. I, I don't think so either. Um, but you never know. Sometimes, as they say, where there's smoke, there's fire. Who knows? So, yeah, he could be taking a longer stay away from uh, AEW, maybe doing a little more behind the scenes stuff. He could be shooting a TV. Or who knows? He could just be taking a break. And staying home with his family. Who who knows? Um, you know, I, I just don't think he's walking away right. just yet. Right. Now, also part of this promo, Ralph, was something very, you know, Cody asked with some of these promos sometimes that he's, you know, building up AEW. Obviously, as an EVP, he should be doing that. But he yeah. brings up the fact that all the wrestling is competition, not an alternative. And this is kind of a a comeback to Vince McMahon saying that they are not quite the competition that WCW was uh, answering a question on the investors call last week. So Ralph, we did an episode two years ago, I think when AEW was first starting, let's revisit this question. Is all the wrestling competition or an alternative? Everything on TV is competition to whatever show we're talking about. AEW last week was competing with the Olympics side by side or whatever show was on. They were competing against the NBA playoffs. If it's content and if it's entertainment and it's on at the same time, they're competing against one another. Now, when you look at WWE and AEW, look, you have to admit there are some levels of competition between the two. If it wasn't Mm -hmm. the case, then they wouldn't be battling back and forth trying to sign some of the talent. So at some level, whether you want to say, oh, well, they're not on the same night and, and the Wednesday night war wasn't real. Okay, well, that's fine. I guess we, that's something we can accept. But to sit here and pretend they're not competing against one another is, is really just kind of silly. Yes, they're competing. At some level, there is some competition there. Uh, you look at some of the guys that are going to be free agents and they're going to test both sides, I'd imagine. Well, that's two sides, two companies within the same, you know, promotion still within wrestling in the industry that are now competing for talent. Mm-hmm. WWE paying more guys and, and extending some of their contracts and, and signing them to longer uh, contracts than they would have in the past. That's because of the competition, knowing that AEW does exist. So, um, yes, it's an alternative. And at some level, look, it is competition. Yes. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if I want to say it's competition because when it's competition, what exactly are they competing for when they're on separate nights? Raw talent. NXT, well, yes, they're competing for talent, but you know, they didn't WWE didn't really go for CM Punk, you know, and they let Daniel Bryan walk. They released Bray Wyatt. They released Braun Strowman. It's a very they tried to sign, but before AEW was even a thing, all of the guys that were like the founding fathers of AEW, uh, aside from maybe Cody, no, I think Cody walked, I forget. Cody uh, walked. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, all of those guys, they tried to sign them and they all chose to go and create AEW. And mm-hmm. I'd imagine, look, if we have guys like the upper echelon of AEW, when MJF becomes a free agent, you don't think WWE is going to go knock on his door and say, hey, we'll pay you a bunch of money to come over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when agree, Roman yeah. Reigns becomes a free agent, you don't think AEW would try? They'd be silly not to sign guys like that. If right. Cena became a free agent tomorrow, if AEW didn't try to compete against WWE and try to sign him to a contract, that would be silly. So at some level, maybe not in the way that fans like to debate things on 
on Twitter saying, you know, well, the Wednesday Night Wars, which, right. you know, conveniently, they're not even on the same night. And for some reason, people are still comparing the two shows. Like, right. I don't get that. But uh, yeah, at some level, there is some type of competition between the two. In that regard, I'll, I'll agree. Like, talent wise, you know, you're competing to get the best talent on your roster. Sure. But what I feel like with competition is there has to be some kind of like, when I think competition, I'm thinking Monday Night War, where WWE bought out WCW. I don't think either one of them have the intention of this ending with one buying out the other. So in that regard, no, they're not competition to each other. Because Dynamite is on Wednesday, and Rampage could have gone and competed with SmackDown on Friday, but no, they're going on after SmackDown. Right. It's like... It, I, that to me is alternative. So it depends on how you look at it. If you're looking at it your way where they're competing to sign the best talent. Yeah. Competition. If you're looking at it from a better show or a better or what night they're going to have better ratings or whatever, it's alternative because they're not on the same night. So, and I agree with you. Anything that's on television is competition in a way because they are competing for viewership. So I agree with you on that. Yeah. But you're, you're competing for people's attention span. Yes. So if it's on a phone, if it's on on an app, I mean that's 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 what 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 competition and entertainment is at mm -hmm. at some level. Yeah. Right. Right. I agree. So uh, let's move on. We talked about Cody. We don't want to overshadow <laughs> that main event though. That really put over Malachi Black. Absolutely dominant. In his AEW debut match against Cody Rhodes, really working his ankle. The way he closed out the show, attacking Cody Rhodes, and you have the shot of him closing out. Is this what WWE should have done with Aleister Black from the get-go that they didn't do? And Malachi Black already cashing in on AEW in one match? Yes. And I think that the numbers certainly indicate that. I think when you look at the numbers from last night, I think that, uh, what, the viewership went up pretty significantly for the main event between Cody and him. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, look, it's not like when you look at Cody Rhodes, the Cody that was in WWE was stardust. He was a guy that was in legacy and all that type of stuff. He wasn't like a main event guy, but he left and he reinvented himself. Yes. Now, Alistair black in WWE and Malachi black in AEW are still, I would say fairly similar. The entrance is similar, the mask, all the dark character, like it's, it's very similar. So, there's no reason to think that if WWE wanted to position him as a main event caliber guy, which he was positioned that way in NXT, there's no reason this couldn't have worked. I mean, it looked mm -hmm. like this was the route they were going to go. He left SmackDown. He kicked Big E, and it was essentially the same way the show ended last night and the match ended last night with Cody. So, yeah, I think I, I said this before. I think WWE dropped the ball maybe more so with him than they did with Andrade because I think that he's a unique guy with a really good skill set and there's a lot that you can do with him. But uh, AEW is capitalizing on that and it's WWE's loss. Right. I, I love the entrance that he had. It was a very cool entrance. Yeah. He looked very yep. good in this match. And really, they wanted to indicate, like, this is your loss, WWE. And that was a great way to show it. They really showed this is your loss. You, sh yep. you should have held on to this guy. And you shouldn't have, if you were going to let him go, at least make sure he has a 90-day no-compete clause and not a 30-day no-compete clause. A lot of, that's a bad move for WWE, but who knows? Nick Khan must know what he's doing, and Vince McMahon must know what he's doing to let him walk like that. But another team that left WWE recently because of release showed up on AEW last night, and that is Ever Rise, now going to be known as 
2.0. They debut in a six-man tag against Moxley, Kingston, and Darby Allen. This was a really fun six-man tag. And I actually like the addition of Everrise 2.0 here. You know, they're not, I don't see them as tag team champions, but I feel they are very entertaining enhancement talent that has the potential to have storylines in AEW. They were great characters in NXT that never really got a chance to have consistent, you know, uh, TV time. I, I think this is going to be uh, one of those like hidden losses for WWE. Not like one like, oh my God, I can't believe they got rid of Everrise, but like they're going to hold value of really giving guys wins and showing them up on, on uh, AEW television when you don't want to put two tag teams together that can't really lose. Perhaps like the Bushwhackers. Kind of. I mean, Everrise is, I think, a better tag team than the Bushwhackers. Not the Sheep yeah. Herders. Not the Sheep Herders. The Bushwhackers. Their actual WWE run. But yeah, I think Everrise could play that, that similar role, though. Like comedic, but still, you know, give shine to the baby faces. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought they were good in this match. I thought this was a good way to put some of the guy, you know, obviously Eddie Kingston, Moxley, uh, Darby, they all looked good in this Darby Allen's uh, suicide dive was it's awesome. second to none. It's probably the best one in the industry. Uh, I not agree. Even close. It's so he, he's very good. Um, yeah, I thought this match was fine. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. Highlight some of the guys uh, that were, you know, on the face team. And it, it, it did just that. Yeah, I, I agree. They did a really good job with that, but Let's uh, continue with some of these rumors, Ralph. A lot of rumors going around that more signings are coming. And what really got this going was a backstage segment with the elite. Now, if you don't know and don't read the dirt sheets, you're probably looking at this segment <clears throat> cringing your ass off because you have Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows, dressed up like Ric Flair. You have your AEW world champion, in a cookie monster t-shirt. And of course the young bucks doing what the young bucks do that. I fucking hate the young bucks, but these were apparently Easter eggs that people are saying online. Cookie monster, obviously the initial CM CM punk, the young bucks were dressed in Hawaiian shirts, implying that Bray Wyatt, uh, Carl Anderson's t-shirt implied the Bollywood boys. And obviously gallows with the robe implying Ric Flair. Are you buying that these were Easter eggs or are these guys just being idiots on TV? Uh, they're doing exactly what they want us to do. They want us to talk about it and they want people to talk about it on social media and just kind of, they want there to be some innuendo there. Uh, I think that some of these people are very likely to go to AEW. You know, CM Punk, it's from what people are saying, it's all but certain he is going to show up. Uh, Ric Flair mm -hmm. would be interesting, especially given the dynamic with Andrade. Um, Mm -hmm. you know flair's done everything there is to do and he doesn't seem like he's slowing down i can't put it past him to show up in a company like aew i really couldn't i mean he he's wrestling royalty he goes and he does what he wants so you know could i even if it's a one-off they did it with bret hart or maybe that was was that all in yeah no that was so, the all out when they, he, okay. he unveiled the AEW World Championship. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I could see something like that with Ric Flair somewhere down the line. Um, Bray Wyatt. I mean, look, I mean, these these guys with the, especially some of these bigger names, if AEW has the budget to sign some of these guys, it's kind of a no-brainer. Why wouldn't they do it? Now, if Bray Wyatt shows up in AEW, 
Do fans chant for beach balls? Only if Ronda Rousey's there. <laughs> I agree. Now that tweet, I mean, I, I put up the poll on our community page and I was answering some people's comments on this. Is Ronda Rousey right in the tweet about Bray Wyatt? And the majority said that she wasn't. And a lot of people commenting that she was uh, a little salty for fans backlashing at her. And this is just her way of getting salty on the internet. I kind of agree to that sentiment because yes, like fans did hijack one of Bray Wyatt's matches. There was a lot of support for her, for Bray Wyatt by the fans. It, this wasn't like, Oh, because they hijacked one match. That's why he got released as she's implying in this tweet. I will say though, she does make a case though. Cause sometimes fans ask for something, they get it. And then they hijack the match because of it. Like, well, not because of it, but they do hijack the match and kind of ruins things. And they wonder why certain guys don't get pushed. Well, because you hijack their matches. Stop doing it. Yeah. And and wrestling is so reliant on the perception and the way that the fans react. And what she's getting at here, and maybe she could have articulated it maybe a little bit better, is the fact that, look, if you're the fans and you're chanting for something other than what's going on in the ring, you're essentially telling the telling the WWE, the higher ups that, look, we don't care about this guy. Exactly. And that could be the fa- that could certainly be the fault of the way that WWE had positioned him and the fact yep. that the storytelling was bad. So it's not just the fans fault. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there, there, there's got to be a little bit of blame that would go into that. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, if, if you go back and watch some of the bigger stars, like even Hogan, the reason Hogan had to turn heel back in the day was because he started to get booed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, do I think she's right? I don't, I wouldn't say she's a hundred percent right. I think she makes a fair point though. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. She makes, she makes a point like stop hijacking matches. You can boo someone you don't like or cheer for someone you like. And if you don't care about the match, go to the bathroom, go buy merch, go to the you know, popcorn and, stand. And, and, like, and here's the thing that, here's the thing that's funny to me, man. Whenever one of these guys leaves and goes to like TNA or Impact or Ring of Honor or AEW, it always gets blown up into like this big thing. But I'm I've been watching wrestling long enough to remember when people were chanting when Big Show was wrestling, please retire. Yes, I remember those moments. Oh yeah. And when they get released, there's two things that happen. One, they get released, and everybody has this outcry of support. How could they do this? It's such a travesty. Well, if you don't want them to get released. You're probably not helping out their case by saying, please retire. We want beach balls or something stupid like that. Exactly. So so is it your fault that those guys got released? No, not 100%. Is it WWE's uh, uh, main prerogative to ensure that you care about the people? Yeah, it is. But at the same time, you're not helping the cause by chanting, we want beach balls or please retire. And it does. I mean, it's just. It's crazy that when these things happen, then they go to like AEW and they make it seem like it's the biggest thing. It's 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 hypocritical is what it is. Right, right. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to say in the comment section yesterday when someone was trying to say I'm defending WWE. I'm not really defending WWE. If this happened in AEW too, I'd call it out on the fans. Like I'm calling out the fans, not defending WWE. If yeah. you don't like something, boo or don't watch. Don't hijack a match because one... You're hurting the talent if you actually want that guy pushed. If you're booing because you don't like the creative that they're doing, don't hijack the match. That yeah, does not help him. Don't Two. be hypocrites. Don't don't be chanting, please retire, or whatever you're going to chant. And then when they go to AEW, act like all of a sudden it's this uh, 
this big event or right. all of a sudden we're supposed to care about said individual. Right. Like it doesn't make any sense. Right. And then the one that I really like the one hijacking moment that I really hate to this day, people wanted the intercontinental title to mean something. So they put it on the main event, a 30 minute Iron Man with Seth, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler, two of the best in ring wrestlers. And what do they do? 10, nine, eight, seven, yep. six, five, four, three, two, one. And every fucking minute. Yep. That's what I hate. Don't do that. That does not help Ziggler. That does not help Rollins. And that does not help the Intercontinental Championship. Stop doing stuff like that. But let's get back on the positive side of things, Ralph. More rumors circulating about guys leaving WWE, maybe heading to AEW. As we got reports that not only is Adam Cole's contract reportedly expiring soon, but today, Fightful.com is reporting Pete Dunne could be on his way out as his contract is reportedly expiring soon. Now, NXT, they're big guys. If they go to the main roster, I don't know if they're really main event guys. So, do they take their chance on the main roster or do they let their contract inspire and maybe go all elite? So this is the point I was trying to make when we discussed this last time. If you're Adam Cole, if you're Pete Dunne, and you're looking at the main roster and you've seen what's happened to a lot of the guys that have been brought, been brought up from NXT, I wouldn't, you know, a handful of guys, because some guys certainly have gone on and done good things on the main roster. But if you see that your future is anything like Keith Lee's, uh, Aleister Black's, Andrade's, you work your ass off in NXT, you get called up, and then you get released. Why would they want to stay? What's enticing mm -hmm. them to stay? So I'm Money. taking a long look at that. Money. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm sure they can make a good, comfortable living at AEW and get a little more maybe creative freedom or more opportunity there. Oh. And I'm looking over at AEW and I'm saying, okay, well, I could go up to the main roster and I could end up like Keith Lee or I could go over here and I could be positioned in a spot where I could potentially have a lot more success. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, if I'm Adam Cole... What, there's nothing left for him to do in NXT. Let's just be honest. He's done everything there is to do. He he he's he. There's nothing left for him to do there. Um, I don't trust him going to the main roster because I've seen creative blunder enough people. Mm -hmm. I think he's gonna go if if his contract's up, and and then they say to him, you can either go to uh, AEW or go to the main roster. I would probably pick AEW. Not only that, his girlfriend's there. Yeah. So that, and, that and, and most of the guys that he worked with on the independent scene that we know right. he has a relationship with. Right. Including the EVPs, Matt and Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega as one, one time being a member of the bullet club. So, yeah. and being a long time, uh, character on being the elite. Now, mm -hmm. if he does go to AEW, do they find a way to revive him on being the elite elite because he's already dead? Huh. <laughs> I haven't watched, I don't watch that show. So I'm maybe. right. Well, maybe they find a way to do it, but let's get back to Dynamite itself. Um, Kenny Omega, we talked about the Elite in that backstage segment. So Hangman Page no longer the number one contender as the loss last week meant he's out of the top five. Jungle Boy heading into the night was the number one contender. But at the end of the night, it was Christian Cage, now named the new number one contender with the win against the Blade. Now, there's a lot of people talking about this. I remember, you know, tweeting this when news broke last week that Hangman Page was out of All Out's main event against Kenny Omega. Now, people are talking. Is this storyline to make it go farther? 
Is it they're writing him off, you know, because he has uh, a birth coming soon with his wife. Uh, the Their first child is coming soon. So they're yeah. writing him off so that he could be there for the birth. So Christian Cage jumps in. What, if you think, if it's the pregnancy thing, I understand it. 100%. Go, go witness the birth of your first child. Absolutely. 100%. Not even negating that. But if this is just to spread the storyline further, I think they're making a huge mistake here. Yeah, especially because I mean, you saw in the in the in the in the fans last week. I mean, he is or was at least white hot, and that's something that very very hard to do to have that type of momentum and to have that support. Uh, and it's very even harder to try to replicate it. I mean, Daniel Bryan was one of the most over guys with the Yes Movement. He went away for a while due to injuries and he came back and he never really got back to that point. Mm-hmm. And even, even after headlining WrestleMania. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, if they're trying to make room for this or hold off on it because of, you know, some of the guys that are rumored to be coming in CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, any of those guys, I, I it's unfortunate because I, I feel like now is the time to pull the trigger on him for sure. Right. And I feel like, th- like people saying, Oh, they don't want CM Punk to overshadow hangman's win or you know i don't mind christian cage challenging kenny omega for the title well where's this with goldberg and edge it's the same damn thing i'm sorry attack me in the comment section i don't care it's the same thing if we're saying we're saying if cm punk comes in and and uh and challenges for the title automatically well well yes yes if that's the case but also they're booking, they're not pulling the trigger on Hangman because they don't want CM Punk's return to overshadow Hangman Page. But if I were Tony Khan, I use CM Punk to bring in more viewers, right? Obviously, he's going to have a match on the card. The rumor is him and Darby Allen. Have that match, and you now does Darby go over, and now you risk Darby Allen now possibly getting having to put over the returning CM Punk. And then you have the young guy putting over the nostalgia act, just like WWE has done in the past. Um, and now you now you worry Darby and Hangman now. But what I would do, have that match, Darby versus CM Punk. CM Punk, you know what? It's been seven years. Maybe he's a little rusty. Have Darby win the match. It's a huge win. Hangman Page closes out the show, winning that AEW championship when he's white hot. Obviously, that's the way to go. Because CM Punk draws in the viewers, Hangman's there to keep the viewers. The same thing that I say with WWE, they don't, they don't really act on this. AEW could have acted on this. If that's the route they were, they're going with this, uh, and that it, it's not because he's leaving for pre- the, the pregnancy, that it's just to further the storyline, I think that's a bad move. They should have that match at All Out, have him close out with him beating Omega. Well, is that really any different than when literally we were just talking about Daniel Bryan when he was white hot and they put Batista over in the Royal Rumble? They had to find a way to get him back in it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. Exactly two things you touched on there. CM Punk's a draw. He doesn't need to challenge for the title. People are going to pay to see him regardless of if he challenges for a title Mm -hmm. or if he doesn't. People are going to pay to see him wrestle. Right. The other thing, he's been gone seven years. We don't know what type of shape. I mean, granted... Yeah, he's probably going to be able to come out and he's probably able to be just fine. I mean, other guys have done that, but there's no guarantee he's going to be right on track, right on the ball, as good as he used to be, not skip the beat. 
So why wouldn't you go with somebody like a Hangman Page, especially because the story's already written? It's already written. You, yes. this, this, it's a natural storyline. It's already been being told. It's been told. You've invested all this time and effort into it. Now Christian Cage is going to get a title shot over him because he beat the Blade. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. The, the storyline, the only story that you have there with Omega and Christian is the fact that Christian got in his face on one random dynamite. And that, they haven't even revisited that no. in, in months. Now that because he's the number one contender, they could certainly revisit that now, knowing that Hangman Page is out of the picture. You know what? They probably written him off last night with that attack. That's po- So I'm thinking more it's the pregnancy thing, like him trying to be home for the birth of his son. And if that's the case, by all means, that's fine. You know, should Christian be the one to fill his spot? Okay, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because I'm okay with Edge going after the title too. If I'm one that was bitching because Edge won the Royal Rumble and saying it's I'm fine with Christian Cage, I'm sorry, that's hypocritical. That's that's my point there. But if you're like, okay, I have no problem with Edge. Okay, I have no problem with Christian. I have no problem. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Look. And we talk about this all the time. At the end of the day, these are still two businesses and they're going to do whatever they feel is best for the business to try and make money and sell tickets and sell merch. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. Now, speaking of selling tickets, you know, Rampage is debuting next Friday night in Pittsburgh. And of course, the hometown girl, Britt Baker, is going to be on the show. She's going to be defending her AEW Women's Championship against Red Velvet, who came up to her, issued the challenge, and... Baker accepted. Now, Velvet is number three in the rankings heading into last night. So it, I didn't even realize she's what, 22 and four with a seven win something like that. Something seven win match streak, seven match win streak. I wouldn't know because I don't watch Dark or Elevation and I don't remember the last time she was on Dynamite, but uh, I think this could be a decent match and a nice way to, you know, get some extra eyeballs to Rampage next uh, Friday night. I agree. I'm really interested to see the type of reaction Britt Baker gets in her hometown, too. Yeah, and I think Dynamite is also uh, that Friday, too, or that Wednesday in Pittsburgh. So both shows are in Pittsburgh. That's going to be interesting. Now, the number one contender right now is Thunder Rosa. So do we see Thunder Rosa, after the win with Baker over Velvet, get into uh, Baker's face to issue that challenge for All Out? I would imagine they're going to build to that, especially because, again, when you when you think of Britt Baker right before uh, or right around the time she was really catching on, that was that match really did a lot for her. So, yeah, I think they're going to go back to that. I agree. Now, Thunder Rosa, formerly of NWA, NWA Women's Championship Eliminator last night was the Bunny versus legit Layla Hirsch and Layla Hirsch wins. Camille is there. And this yep. match is going to happen at NWA Empower, which you could buy on Fight TV. And we'll have an affiliate link in the description if you want to buy the pay-per-view. Also support us uh, here. We get a little kickback if you buy through that link. Um, but I think this is going to be an interesting match. Layla Hirsch, from what I've seen, has been very good in the ring. Very technical. I, I mean, despite her size, she really does not let her uh, factor into matches. But man, I didn't realize Camille was that much taller than Layla Hirsch. No, I didn't either. And and you know what? I, I think Camille's going to probably win that match. And I, I, I think that I just kind of find it a little ironic that all of a sudden we see Jade Cardhill come back. 
I think that eventually that's probably a match I would like to see. Camille um, and Jade. Yeah. I would too. I, so I, I, we'll under, I, under, I understand like Jade has not had that many matches in the ring, but neither has Camille. But just looking at those two, like they are yeah. one of a kind type women wrestlers that you seeing both of them in the ring. It's definitely a sight to see. And I, I, like I've said, since the beginning, like Jade should really be built like Goldberg in the women's division. And I don't think they really done that yet. But now that she's back on TV, start getting that win streak going because obviously Rip Baker's going to face Thunder Rosa, right? Have her rack up those wins. And by full gear, she dethrones Rip Baker for the women's championship. Yep. I'd imagine that probably right. happens. Now we talked about everything else that happened on AEW Dynamite this week, except for how the show started, and that was with Chris Jericho beating Juventud Guerrera in the third labor of Jericho. This match was confusing because the way yeah. it was explained last week was, in order to win, you just had to hit a move from the top rope. But what ended up happening was the only way Jericho could win was if he executed a move from the top rope. Prior to pinning or submitting Guerrero, it was very weird how this was laid out. And the stipulation only applied to Jericho, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I was confused uh, because I was under the same understanding. Like he had to hit like a, a move off the top, a, a frog splash, and then that's it. Like the match is over. Um, I thought right. the match was clunky at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. it had its moments. I did like the finish. I mean, that credit to Jericho thought the end, the, 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 yeah. uh, Judas effect from the top looked good. Uh, but I, I did not like the match. I did not like the follow-up. I don't like the last labor. Uh, so, well, there's two more know. after this. This was just the, the last, third labor. the last one is where he gets to face MJF. No, I think it's five labors. And then once he passes all five, he then faces MJF. Hmm. I thought they, unless it was something I thought I heard wrong. I thought they said last night, the fifth labor is like him facing MJF. I could be wrong. Uh, I could be, I mean, I could be wrong too. Maybe someone could clarify that in the comment section, but yeah, I mean, if, if just getting past Wardlow is the final labor to MJF, that's a little underwhelming considering that he had to do this match with Guerrera. He had to do a death match with Nick Gage. Um, and, the the first labor that he had to do, which I'm it's I'm drawing a blank. What was the first labor? Ooh. Uh that was oh. And then the first labor was Sean Spears, where Sean Spears had to use can use the chair, but uh, Jericho couldn't. Right. So, you know, then all it is is just survive Wardlow in a singles match. You know, he, he, here's the thing. Wardlow at, at this point, Wardlow is just a big guy. And not only that, but we've seen Wardlow in these type of matches before because he faced Cody in fairly simu- similar stipulation, right? They had their cage match and Wardlow typically loses these matches. Like I yeah. get it. He's a big imposing guy, but this is like the type of match they use him for. Oh, we're going to sick Wardlow on you, but he loses most of the mm-hmm. time when he's in this position. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like they've took the, and I said this before, like if you're going to take the time to build Wardlow up and he starts getting these squash wins week after week after week, and you're starting to prove his dominance. Okay. Well, him going against Jericho is a big deal, but you know, Jericho's a legend. He's faced guys that size before we've seen him beat guys that size before we've seen Wardlow get beaten. 
not to me that's not like uh you know it, it's not something that I would think would be like a big task for Jericho to, to accomplish. Right. I'm sure. And even if like guys from the inner circle helped him in this because MJF is going to be in the corner. So maybe Hager comes out or maybe Santana Ortiz and then you see FTR or maybe Sammy Guevara, which I haven't seen Sammy Guevara in a few weeks. Is he hurt? Did I miss something? No, I, I'm trying to think the last time we saw him. So maybe they're, they've kept him off TV for when he comes back to save Jericho in this match. Could Not be. a bad idea if that's the case, but all right. We talked about everything on dynamite. What are your final thoughts of AEW dynamite homecoming? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think that they definitely progressed some of the major storylines. Um, who knows what happens with, with um, hangman. I, I definitely liked the way that the show ended. I liked that uh, Malachi black. So I, I thought it was a solid episode. Yeah, I think it was a good episode and obviously keeping you talking because I mean, we're, I think like 38 minutes into this video, this episode and a lot to talk about, even from really two segments, the backstage segment with the elite and Cody's promo and the match with Malachi Black. Those two segments right there gave us a lot of time here to talk about stuff. Uh, I did like the six man tag and that suicide dive. I agree with you from earlier. Darby Allen has the best suicide dive. Honestly, I think he's the only one that actually executes a real suicide dive. Everyone is just, eh, they don't. Let's call it, it a kamikaze. Whatever make sure you, you guys to, hash, make sure you guys hashtag that because it's it's greater than a suicide dive. It's a kamikaze. It's a kamikaze. Ralph uh, had it here first. Kamikaze. Maybe we'll make a squared circle psycho babble T-shirt there. Uh, kamikaze and get people to start buying that. Off the. Have to start uh, going on Fiverr and hire a designer for kamikaze wrestling t-shirts or something. But uh, I mean, I thought the show was was a decent show. And for the last four weeks, they've been very solid and get you talking about stuff. And that's all you're, you're supposed to do so that you're excited for next week. And that is why the ratings are slowly indicating that four straight weeks with a million or more viewers Four straight weeks where the 18 to 49 demographic has increased. So yep. anybody, anybody that's saying wrestling's dying. Sorry, folks. It's not. Stop comparing ratings of 1999 to prove your case because it doesn't work. Trust me. I work in TV, but let us know your uh, thoughts of AEW dynamite homecoming. Also Malachi blacks debut match. Were they Easter eggs in the backstage promo from the elite? And don't forget to share this all over social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPB Podcast. Subscribe, hit that bell for notifications. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.